Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. Hi, I'm Joseph Whitney. And I'm David Campbell. Welcome to Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction technology, processes, and beer. Welcome to another episode of Brewing with BIM. You excited? I'm very excited. I'm very excited that we're going to be talking about something today that um, I feel very well established in. I do have a passion for um, this company, and I think what they do and what they bring to the table um, is great for the BIM process, BIM workflows, just BIM in general. Well, I I just want to say as somebody that – has presented at a few of those at the few of the annual conferences, and you do trainings all the time, and uh, you're doing consulting and you know engagements on this <laughs> this very matter at various uh, uh, you know unions and organizations and firms. You are probably one of the best, most in line people to to, to talk about this. So um, for those that uh, are just tuning in, the topic is Blue Beam, um, and it's the lowest cost of adoption for. BIM. And we're going to talk about this, the benefits, the many benefits. Uh, why is the lowest cost of adoption, the ease of use? Uh, we've kind of got a little format going here. We've put a lot of forethought in this. Uh, so I think that this is going to be a great episode. I'm, I'm really excited as we start to dive into these uh, the, the actual individual softwares. Uh, this is part one of our series where we're going to be talking about, um, you know, kind of the basics to, to BIM, if you will, the, the various softwares that go into it. And then we're going to kind of, uh, you know, pick up with um, uh, you know, various softwares and workflows and products and, and, uh, actually start interviewing people. It's going to get really great. So, um, without further ado, guys, uh, here's Bluebeam, the pretty much the basics of BIM. Yes. So, uh, David, uh, you, you and I, I mean, we kind of went back and forth. We, we had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, thought gone into this on, you know, if we were going to present on the lowest common denominator of BIM, what would it be in the history and, you know, you know, who uses it? and the most versatile and all that stuff. And Bluebeam was kind of like a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, man. When you're talking about starting on the uh, – um, I almost I almost think of it like a ladder, right? Starting that yeah, that ladder you're ascending up towards, getting into the advanced workflows. And where do you start? And, and, and of course, the first rung that you would start with that makes the most sense that actually – gives us the most capability is Bluebeam Review. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And and many people are, you know, probably shaking their head at this point, thinking, Are you serious? This isn't even a design tool, blah, 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 blah. And I get it, guys, I get it. This is a tool for the uh non design inclined, right? The people that are not using design software maybe yet or just potentially have no need to use the design software. But it allows them to get, um, you know, the data that they need um, in in a easy to use manner, in uh, um, a tool that was, I want to say, you know, essentially made for them. Um, and we'll talk more about this in a few minutes. But uh, this is really the tool, you know, it's kind of swept the industry by storm for the past five years. And uh, David and I have been using this software for a few years, and David's obviously the expert. He does a great job with this uh, product and. Uh, Uses it uh, pretty much every day. I would say not pretty much. I'm sure you use it every day. Is that safe to say? 
Oh, yes. Yes, definitely safe to say. <laughs> great, great. Um, so so uh, I thought we'd start this off by, uh, you know, talking about the history of Bluebeam, um, kind of how it came into our industry and, uh, you know, where it started really picking up. And I, I don't know how much you know about the history. I'm sure you do because, um, you know, I think that's probably something that they drill into you pretty good. But um, yeah. are you familiar with its origins? I am, actually. It's it's. It's pretty exciting. Uh, actually, Wait. kind of allows me to geek. Yep. Pause, man. We got to pause. We just pause. stumbled over the most important part of the podcast. What are you drinking? Oh, what am I drinking? Well, today I am a little under the weather, so I decided to go with a hot toddy. All right, man. That's a good call. Hot toddy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's safe. Uh, it's it's the. Uh, and I said this to you earlier in a text, but it's the, uh, I want to keep drinking, but I want to get better, you know, type of type. Drink. Yeah. Um, what, what's the, what's the whiskey or bourbon or brandy that you have in your hot toddy? So I, I have a, uh, I'm using Elijah Craig's small batch, the 1789 series. And it's just, I honestly, it's one of my favorite kind of all around whiskeys. Um, I, I love it. sipping. I can, I can drink it neat. I can throw a couple of rocks in there. Or actually, just mixing it with anything like in an old fashioned or this hot toddy. I just like the uh, the flavor of it. The profile is great. Yeah, man, uh, <laughs> I'm on board. I, I might skip everything else and just drink this, the whiskey straight. Um, <laughs> no, Elijah Craig, Elijah Craig's good whiskey, man. Um, so I am drinking the Rheingeist Truth, which is a very popular uh, uh, beer that's from uh, Cincinnati. I had uh, the privilege of stopping by their brewery uh, while I was in Cincinnati, uh, I don't know, probably about a month ago, maybe a month and a half, um, on recommendation for uh, from a, a person I was meeting with out there. It's a great brewery, uh, really fun atmosphere. There's an axe throwing place right across the street, which I love throwing axes. I love axes in general. In fact, David and I are both recording in our garages. I'm in my garage right now, right next to my axe throwing board and my axes. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and I got the chop saw, man, you know, just measure right, right to my right. So, uh, you know, in case I needed multitask, but, uh, Ryan guys, <laughs> truth, great beer. It's a, uh, it's an IPA. I'm a big fan of the IPAs. Um, and this is, you know, this is just proves that the Midwest, you know, <laughs> God damn it makes freaking remarkable beers. Um, so, uh, screw all you hippie, you know, Portlanders, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say that the Northwest, the Midwest does make some, um, the Midwest makes some pretty good beer, but I don't think it compares to the uh, to the Northwest beers. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, that's the beer snob. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm 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 just propping although, it up because I'm in this region now. But yeah, uh, although that three Floyds out of Munster, ah, oh, that Robert the Bruce, the Gumball oh, Head, Zombie Dust, oh, awesome. Drink three Robert the Bruce's and try, you know, wake up the next morning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, it's a good beer. I didn't realize it was so that strong. Yeah. Uh, all, right. all right. Maybe I'll, I'll backstep on my statement a little bit. You know, okay, so the Northwest makes remarkable beers, guys. I love the Northwest. I'm just kidding with David because he lives in Portland. Uh, but oh, yeah. uh, now that I live in uh, Appalachia, well, I, they, they can't decide where Pittsburgh is. Everybody tells me it's the Midwest or it's Appalachia or it's the East Coast. And I'm like, I just want to choose Appalachia because it sounds cool. Um, but, uh, uh, anyways, either way, the beer here is phenomenal. Whether you're in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, uh, great beverages to be had. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, uh, with that, man, let's just, you know, jump back onto this podcast. Um, 
you know, so <coughs> we were chatting about the history of Bluebeam, and I just really wanted to kind of, you know, get your take because you, you know, you've you've had the the training and all that stuff, and you've kind of gotten the you know the full story. Um, <laughs> some stuff that I didn't really get. Past school, yep. I know about the, you know, I grew up in North Texas, so I know about you know the city of Plano adapting it, so for their planning department to digitize it and you know save some space, all that stuff. So I know that side of it. Um, and then I know, you know, post that, you know, post the beginnings, I know how the AC industry has kind of adopted it and, and, and in what uh, capacity. Um, but you know, the real history. So I'm just curious, you know, uh, if you, you feel like yeah. dropping some knowledge on us. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's pretty funny, but in the, the certified training course that I took, they, they do give you a little insight in terms of, um, Bluebeam actually started within, uh, NASA. It had a little bit of aeronautical engineering background. Um, they don't really tell you kind of where and how, but they told you, you know, told us it started uh, back in 2002 and it kind of grew from there. Now, I actually took some time to dive into it a little bit and you see that essentially um, it started, of course, in NASA, but with um, Alliance, Alliance Space Systems. And what they were doing is they were designing um, robotic arms for NASA's Twin Mars rovers, Spirit, and Opportunity. And the company um, had fewer than 20 employees, had two years to design, build, and deliver these arms. And what they were finding out is a lot of times they're circulating, or circulating drawings and documents and com- converting the, the CAD software, like the CAD designs, into a PDF format. And they found that that would actually free up more time for their engineers. But those PDF format documents were not coming out to the accuracy that they needed. They just weren't. So literally, the engineers went and developed a PDF program just that, that, that they needed. They really just went and built it. And what it kind of went from there, it, it allowed them to make the parts and get three-dimensional CAD models as well as two-dimensional model like drawings so they were able to see everything and and pull it with the push of a button and it was actually started the foundation for Bluebeam's first product push button PDF and they say with a click of a button the plugin would convert your CAD models into high resolution scalable drawings and the PDF embedded all the data all that kind of stuff and then as it, it grew from there Well, of course, architecture, engineering, construction, we're going to see oil and gas. Everybody started kind of taking a a look at what this this program could bring. And you're going to see that it's been growing, I mean, kind of ridiculously. You you see that, um, what is it? Bluebeam Review, it was, they actually got purchased in 2014 by Nemechek, right? For a hundred million dollars, Bluebeam. For those of you oh. familiar with the BIM space, Nemechek owns a uh, like uh, Archicad. Vectorworks. Um, popular in other countries, yeah. Vectorworks, all that stuff. Popular in other countries, not necessarily so in the U.S. Uh, Revit seems to be the an AutoCAD or the main space here, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's still a household name. It is. It is. But I mean, from what you're seeing is. They had these very kind of humble beginnings where really these people had a need. They had a need and they filled it with, well, it was, you know, what laid down the foundation of push button PDF, but 
also laid the foundation for Bluebeam Review. And it's grown so fast. I mean, it was what, 2012 when they added Bluebeam Studio and Studio, it went from 2002 is when it first kind of started. That's when Bluebeam started to 2012. They were integrating in Bluebeam Studio, which is the full collaborative, you know, studio sessions and project management of studio projects, right? And you're still seeing them just consistently grow. And again, 2014, they were purchased by a bigger company that kind of acquired and, and they're starting, they're, they're growing even faster. All right. Yeah, man. Um, you know, it's used by everybody. You said it started with NASA and you don't know mm-hmm. their origins. Yeah, that just means it's Area 51 well, or something. Uh, actually, so I'm going to go with aliens. Aliens gave us the technology. <laughs> and Actually, it was <laughs> Alliance Space Systems that was founded by a handful of engineers from NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, yeah. JPL. Oh, dude, I love JPL, man. If you, uh, tangent, guys, if you guys are ever in uh, uh, Los Angeles area uh you're looking for something to do you got to go to the jet propulsion laboratory you got to schedule uh, a tour you know months in advance online but plan your trips it's so fun it's free go there you're going to see remarkable stuff they build rovers and all the robotics and all kinds of amazing stuff there anyways that's my tangent um awesome. yeah i've seen bluebeam i've seen bluebeam really expand we got introduced to this at a uh conference in vegas au all that stuff uh and, uh, you know, from there, it's just kind of been like hotcakes. It's gone everywhere. Like everybody's using it in every industry. Um, so, uh, everybody's using this software. Um, everybody, yeah, I mean, you're, seeing, yeah. you're seeing such a varied usage with it. I mean, like you said, everybody's using it. We're seeing, um, offices use it for forms and tracking information, pulling information out into spreadsheets. We're seeing, um, design firms use it for, of course, plan review, but also a type of like clash detection, compare and overlay of documents, making sure they're tracking the revisions. Um, we're seeing oil and gas use it for PNIDs. We're seeing, I mean, honestly, there's so many different um, capabilities within this program. It, it's literally just, I, how do I want to say this? It's, it's able to be used almost by anyone as First a PDF style. reader yeah. writer. It's so versatile. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and, and and most firms are adopting, you know, other PDF softwares, Adobe, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those are pretty standard basic tools. Bluebeam seems to be the tool that's kind of, uh, you know, pivoted and, and kind of tailored to our uh, our industry. You know, even though it started in, in uh, aeronautics um, and, and space, it's uh, it's kind of the tool that, I would say that just about everybody in our industry is adopted uh, at some level or is, is adopting or at least, you know, has heard of. And the reasons are, are, are numerous. And we're going to talk about this in a second. The um, cost of adoption and the benefits and, and the workflows and all that sort of stuff. But uh, really, this is everybody. You know, this is uh, city inspectors, planning departments, engineers, contractors, GCs, even architects are getting into it. Um, we can do things like, uh, uh, you know, CA work and uh, we can do uh, – punch listing we can do we can do so much stuff in this that it really appeals to everybody um and the reason why it is so important is um uh, the reason why i think it's 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 taken off is because you know you use design software to design i don't need to use design software to make my markup so 
Uh, if there's another method or a way of me actually interacting with, you know, the design data without actually having to be knowledgeable and open up, you know, a design application so that I can, you know, move around, make markups, all that sort of stuff, uh, or make edits, uh, or get information that I want. Um, yeah. You know, there's got to be something I mean, more simple. And that's what Bluebeam really was. It was a PDF editor viewer that allowed us to capture that data, um, whether it be 3D. Uh, if you're using Revit, for instance, you actually keep all that information. Like, it keeps everything. Like, it's it's amazing. So, Oh, dude, um, the metadata that comes over from the design programs into Bluebeam is amazing. You know, I, that's actually it was going to be my next uh, kind of talking point with it. It's the difference of Bluebeam Review. I mean, the main difference that you're going to see is even just built into the simpleness of the graphics, right? I mean, I don't want to say simpleness because they're not simple. They're not. But the vector data, those because those PDFs are vectorized, that vector data is essentially lines or pathways of smart information going through that PDF, right? Well, let's take a second here and tell everybody the difference between vector and rasterized and why vectorized information is more versatile and usable? Well, a lot of times, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll even just tell you right about just using Bluebeam PDF as rest, as a vectorized graphic. So first off, inside of this PDF, you're going to be able to snap to the information that's going through that, through, to those lines. And it's going to know, are you snapping to this endpoint? Are you snapping to this intersection? Are you snapping here? It, it, it pulls you around the document, I mean, uh, literally allowing you to do, let's say, a takeoff and estimation workflow. If I'm trying to take off from the face of the stud instead of pulling to the drywall, or if I'm trying to, you know, say, okay, how much air barrier, how much thermal insulation am I going to need to use? How much square footage am I going to need to use for this wall? How many, you know, sheets of drywall am I going to need to lay out on this wall? You can do all that within Bluebeam Review because of those graphics, right? You're going to be able to search through these PDFs. And find symbols. Let's say I want to find how many times a valve is referenced in this in this sheet set. I can do a search for a symbol, and then actually find it anywhere else in the document. Do counts based off of that. I could I could take it a step further, and maybe do certain like editing and um, editing the actual content of the PDF. So this is one that you're going to see rasterized documents. Anything that you scan in, right, it's going to be hard to search through. Sometimes it's going to be pixelated. And most times, raster graphics are pixels. Those oh, just pixels. Of, that's of what raster is. Raster is yeah. Raster is a pixel. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it is. It's pixelized information. Think of an image, a JPEG, something like that, bitmapped. They're all just pixels representing data. If you zoom in, you zoom in a thousand times, you're going to see you know, each individual pixel. But if you zoom into a vectorized file you're just going to continually see that line at the appropriate scale um, which yep. is why i think bluebeam is a great tool especially when you talk about guys out in the field using it and wanting to measure from it um, we've had mm -hmm. you know uh, we've run across uh, people that uh, we've seen online that uh, you know are doing pdfs through uh, layout that sort of stuff because you're oh, dude, able to actually, scale PDFs, so really that's going to be my big thing here towards the end i'm going to give you guys a little snippet here of some of the capability that you have of playing with Revit using APL and printing into a Bluebeam PDF. Were you, uh, you're talking about the advanced level stuff. Were you um, going to talk any of the Power BI functionality? Yeah, we were going to, yeah, actually, I think that uh, that Power oh, BI yeah. functionality is pretty amazing. I think it is. Now, 
there's still so much for me to learn. Not going to lie. There's a lot, there's a lot to learn out there about the integrations that we have with Bluebeam Review. If you guys have any, um, any integrations that you guys are using, any, any of the, the top notch workflows that you guys want to share, please hit us up. Um, we are always, we always love getting that type of information, seeing how you guys are pushing review to its limits or pushing these different programs and how you're integrating it. Perfect. Yeah. I think we're always looking for feedback from everybody, um, you know, validation, but also, uh, we want to know, you know, what, whatever everybody's doing. And if you're doing something really remarkable and interesting, we'd love to get you on the podcast. We've had quite a few people reach out that are doing, doing phenomenal things. So we're excited for that. Um, but, uh, uh, so now we know who's using the software, right? We know, um, a little bit about the history. Um, let's talk about the cost of adoption. Um, yes. software costs. I was going to say, you know, speak, speaking from experience here, software costs, if you're talking design software, can, can tend to get up there. If oh, you're yeah. talking about, about PDF, uh, you know, crediting, uh, creating and editing tools, all that sort of stuff. Again, they can still get up there, especially with uh, some of the competitors going to the um, uh, SaaS model. Um, I know, uh, say, say it, Adobe, right? They're the main mm-hmm. competitor on the blue and the PDF space. Uh, they've gone to the SaaS model, and various modules cost more money, making it uh, very compelling for people to uh, give uh, Bluebeam uh, an extra look, um, especially those in our space. Um, yep. So the software cost is is literally, to me, like you know, nothing. Like that's a that's an annual cost um, that you know per per user is pretty um, insignificant. As yep. far as the you know the the adoption and implementation stuff, though. I mean, it depends on who's going to use this and at what level, because we could talk about um, the length of training, training costs, um, all that stuff till we're blue in the face. But for you, David, as having to done, you know, numerous trainings, what does it take for somebody, you know, super green? You know, how many days of training, how many hours of training would you say um, for them to be, you know, pretty proficient, say, on the desktop version? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I would say seven, uh, just a day of training will get you where you need to be in a design review process or where you need to be in a takeoff and estimating workflow. Um, if you're trying to combine all of that and you're trying to show someone how to manage documents, how to do, you know, um, slip sheeting, batch linking, if you're utilizing sets, if you're going through doing the compare and overlay, things like that, you might need a couple days, right? But let's 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 take this into consideration for a minute um, with most people that I that I talk to that I train um, in in Bluebeam review. I, I want to say the general consensus is a lot of people say they're scratching the surface. Right. And I'll, I'll talk to I'll talk to power users from different companies who let me know they've been using Bluebeam review for, you know, let's say two, three, four years. And we'll say, okay, cool. Um, where are your profiles? What profiles do you guys have? What's the profile? Well, you know, it's funny. That is a very common question. It's a very common question. But it's a very useful thing when you start looking at standardizing an interface for a company, right? Standardizing what tool sets you have. Standardizing the columns that you're seeing. Standardizing the workflows in general, the automatic 
workflows you can literally set up in Bluebeam Review just by adapting these profiles, just by building some tools into your tool set that integrate with information that you can push through into them or pull from them with that markups list. So it, it's, it's, it's things like that that we might not recognize, right? Being able to import and export comments, being able to, well, go into studio projects and sessions. Some pe most people have heard of it, but they don't know what it is. A lot of times I, you know, and I will support the train the trainer. I think that's a great idea. If you have some people that are of that capacity that can go ahead, you know, do training for a day or two and then go back and train everyone. But I've talked to companies also who have been trying to train on Bluebeam for, let's say, three or four months. They'll have consistent, you know, training days and things like that. And their users are still not, they're not, they're not where they, where they need them to be. And I, yeah, I mean, I could. It's, it's very interesting when you, uh, when you talk about train the trainer because, yep. um, you have to train that one person for multiple, um, uh, roles and responsibilities that the other people are, you know, that people downstream are doing. So that one person has to then remember in those two to three days time that they have how to train the individual people while grasping those concepts themselves. So I don't yep. know. No oh, man, I, I I think it's great. I well, just think that that person needs probably to be more proficient to begin at the beginning. I maybe, agree. You maybe, maybe work with somebody like yourself to actually like tailor some curriculum. Uh, to I them. But agree. that said, my, the whole training concept though uh, for this portion uh, isn't necessarily um, how complex or how in depth we can get with the training. But what is that lowest cost? The lowest the lowest cost you you need to actually get in there and actually start using it. Because over oh, time, dude. you're going to find that you don't know software as well as you think. Like, uh, I, I consider myself an Excel power user, but I'm always blown away and learning new stuff all the time. So there's always new concepts for us to, uh, um, you know, uh, get up on and, and uh, kind of advance our knowledge. But for those that are just now getting into the program, um, those that are just, you know, they're new, that lowest cost of uh, training, you know, talking about one one day training for that. And I don't know anybody that any, – any, any software out there that you can throw somebody in training for one day, just give them one day and they're going to come out and be proficient and be able to do their job. There is there. I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say there isn't any because I don't know if, you know, the billions of softwares out there. I know, I know, I know, oh, I know dude, my lane. I know what's give there, me, but, uh, there's give no me. software. I know that, that you could teach somebody in one day other no, than Bluebeam. Well, I would say, yes, give a person one day of training and, and they would be able to do the entire, they, at least, Let's say this. They would have a better idea of where the tools are. Now, they're not going to, because I'm honest, nobody's going to remember every single them. I've had a few. I've had a few that are very, very motivated, and they run through, and they're power users. And they even reach out to me afterwards. Hey, Dave, how did we do the uh, slip sheeting? How did we do that again? What am I looking for? And I can help walk them through it, right? But I want to say even four hours, even just do four hours of training is going to make them more. And, and I, I know everybody wants to save money and I could be the biased person here, but you give them four hours of training on, on how to do the reps, how to, you know, what the workflows are and then how to organize that markups list and make, and you're going to 
your different processes. Let's even just concentrate here on design review. You're going to make that design review process so much easier and faster by utilizing a digital PDF with common markups and statuses, replies, things like that. Being able to track all the information going back and forth from even the architect to a draftsman or, you know, an engineer, fabrication shop, meeting center, and anything like that. So, so for the cost of a dot, it seems like it's very minuscule. I know we kind of overcomplicated it there for a second. We were talking about yeah. what we can do <laughs> as far as train the trainers and, and all that stuff. Because, again – you know, it's one of those wormholes where you could just get sucked down a rabbit hole uh, forever and uh, <laughs> um, yeah. essentially never come out on top because you're always learning new features. But you'll be in that you know top echelon of power users like David, so that's phenomenal. But for those that just need to do their job, right? The guys that you know yes. need to make some simple markups, play some, uh, you know, do a stamp, do uh, simple editing. Uh, maybe they want to run some OCR, want to do some batch uh, functionality or sleep sheeting or whatever signatures stuff like that yes yeah yeah rfis submittals all this basic stuff that we can do plus also doing like quantity takeoff functionality like wanting to be able to get you know measurements wanting to be able to look at uh, a sloped pipe and and all this stuff like getting counts and quantities and we'll talk about this walking through the job site notating any issues any you know any deficiencies so so for the very basic level right you're looking at maybe a day of training, and you're looking at yep. a, a seat of a blue beam. Now I just Googled mm-hmm. this, and there's a few things that come up. But blue beam speed of software is about, you know, what I'm seeing here is about three hundred and something dollars. Uh, depends Actually, on which I have I, click. I have I have numbers. I do okay. have numbers here for you, and these numbers are you can quote me. Now okay. for the standard version, you're looking at three hundred and forty nine dollars. So about yeah, three hundred and fifty for the CAD version. You're looking at $449 to $450. And if for anybody that's that's curious, the only reason that you need the, sta- the CAD version is if you're using a design program and you're printing out into Bluebeam P- uh, PDFs. And it, it, I mean, it, the, the functionality that it gives you there is amazing. It's definitely worth the money if you have users using Revit, CAD, Navisworks, um, Civil 3D, Auto... like. AutoCAD MEP architecture, what what flavor, what have you? It's definitely useful there. Yeah, but, the print oh, tools and tools are phenomenal. Yeah, I was just gonna say the print tools in it are phenomenal. The plugins that it gives you, that's great. Um, and then yes. the extreme version, the extreme versions, you know, the OCR and the the batch functionalities essentially. Um, those are yes. your power users. Uh, those are guys that, that well, you know, need that functionality. But for the base level of adoption, the guys that are just getting into it that need to do some markups. $350 seems like a very uh, um, easy pill to swallow. And then yes. if you're talking one day of training, and again, I just Googled this, so uh, quote me based off of whatever my Google search pulls up. Um, you know, a one day of training is anywhere from $500 to $750. So for roughly like $1,200 uh, per user, and again, if that one person goes back and trains everybody else, that's great. That saves them money. But for roughly $1,200 per user, um, they – get to leverage BIM and actually use it. And it's, uh, you know, uh, I say leverage BIM, leverage BIM data and actually practice BIM workflows and processes. And we're going to get more into, you know, what is BIM, the strategies and the standards and setting stuff up and the goal and the smart cities and the FM, and that's all coming. But for the basic guy that wants to get in there, leverage some design data without actually owning design software, because he is not making edits to that design. He just needs to 
communicate back effectively, or he needs to communicate from the field to the office or vice versa. Bluebeam is a great tool for that. And the lowest cost, the lowest cost of adoption, you're looking at about twelve hundred bucks. Twelve hundred dollars. That's that's you know, I, I don't think there's any one tool I could buy to do my job uh, and have it you know have, have it get me through uh, for twelve hundred dollars. There's I mean that's that's a pretty low price. It really is. It really is, especially for the functionality that it has. Yeah, well, let's it, talk. It more, let's <laughs> talk more about that now. So let's talk about these benefits, right? Um, we've talked about you know kind of some features, some uh, uh, some stuff. If we kind of mm-hmm. went out a little over here, but if we're talking about benefits, right? The main benefits, again, pardon me, another sip of beer. Uh, the main benefits are um, being able to leverage data that somebody else created. <laughs> But from that, being able to do some really robust stuff like uh, your quantity takeoffs, uh, the office-to-field communication of uh, uh, RFIs, middles, mm-hmm. uh, punch listing, you know, using your tablet out on the job site, uh, the you know, the ease of use of these, you know, the the being app able is pretty... to take pictures and and attach them right to the markets oh, themselves, yes, yes, being able to hyperlink around to literally anywhere you want to go creating digital dashboards, which is literally just a PDF with, let's say you want images. If you want icons, I could take it to BIM 360 and send it up to my projects. I could, I could take it out to, you know, my studio project where all my daily reports and things like that are to be filled out. I could, I, it's really limitless on, on where you can take the, um, the, these digital dashboards. It's, I mean, it's just different things like that, that you can expand out into. Yeah, yeah. So uh, collaboration, standardization. You mentioned earlier about profiles, but having uh, um, uh, tools predefined uh, so that you're putting up on a drive for everybody to share. Um, so you know, if you've got a certain symbol for something, it's everybody in your company is using that certain tool or symbol because you've yep. standardized on it. Much like you know, uh, people in the design do with CAD or whatever uh, tool they're using. Um, there are standards that that are can be applied, and that's again that's stuff that comes you know further downstream, right? We want to get you yep. using the tools and adopting and getting to know you know the basis of BIM. So, um, you know, I'm not going out and say quote a project and say you're using BIM by uh, using Bluebeam, and that's going to get you to win it because you know that's that, that's not yep. it. But, but uh, I want to get. But I get, if we I, can I, say, I, I was going to say if I can, just because if you are using Bluebeam, you are using BIM. Exactly. Exactly. And again, BIM isn't any one tool. Um, it's about leveraging data from from a you know point A to point B and beyond, essentially, um, and setting standards in place and such that we're able to uh, kind of replicate, collaborate, and share that information in a in a pretty pretty seamless fashion, right? Without the whole data loss and the uh, you know language barriers and all that stuff. We um, I say language barriers. I'm talking more about um, software compatibilities with other software. We have different things that came into place like IFC. So a lot of different things to talk about. Again, topics for uh, future podcasts. But, um, you know, just keeping it simple, uh, easy communication tools, and leveraging BIM, yep. uh, BIM without, you know, a design software, design investment. Because let's face it, as a subcontractor um, who doesn't have a uh, VDC or BIM department, you still have to be able to communicate with those BIM and VDC people from other firms. Um, and this is, this is a great tool for doing that. It is, man. I mean, it's going to be a great tool for all different processes of the, um, 
like the timeline of the project, right? As it's growing from design, even if it's still in conceptual, you're in schematic, <clears throat> you're going into your construction documents. Um, it, it's a handover, right? You're literally going into construction and we want to track what's happening on that project, the RFIs, the submittals. If we do need a change made to the built, you know, to the design itself. Um, or let's even say you're, you're getting even more difficult on it and you're, you're doing, um, modular construction or prefabricated construction on that site, being able to track all the different assemblies going onto the site being installed. Are they installed correctly? Was everything cut to the correct length? Things like that. Using these types of documents with the information that they have to the accuracy that they provide us is very ideal. Yeah. And, and, and things like studio, uh, uh, for sessions to me, seems like, like a no brainer. Um, Oh, dude. So if you're trying to so, doc, if you're trying to document stuff and see who's opened what and done what, but if you invite them to a session, you can literally see that they've logged into your session. They, you know, made certain notations <laughs> or they viewed your file. There's so many, uh, uh, capable uses of it that, uh, we can yeah. kind of get bogged down and don't really think about. But at, at hey. its very core, uh, at the end of the day, real, real quick, let me finish this thought, my buddy. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, um, the handover thing you mentioned earlier. That is something people aren't thinking over, thinking of. We always want to get to that, you know, that 3D model that's got the BIM data in it that they need, and you know, eventually that ties to GIS and all that stuff. And that's a great uh, goal, and that's where we want to head. But today, the concept, at least in practice, is that that we um, hand over a hyperlinked PDF set. The GC is giving that hyperlinked PDF set uh, to the owner. Uh, you know, they use that for their uh, O&M and all that sort of stuff. But that is the deliverable at the end of the day. You know, alongside this, you know, beautiful building that we built, there is um, a, a digital O&M, essentially a hyperlinked PDF set of everything. So um, as we, you know, as we think about the practical, cap you know, uses, um, Bluebeam seems to fit that mold more than anything. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, man. You were saying something. So, no, just, dude. Uh, no, I, uh, no, I, I wanted to finish my thought I, get so, I lost uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I get so excited about this stuff. And, and as you're kind of talking about studio sessions there, I really wanted to touch on one of those key um, benefits, another benefit from uh, Bluebeam Studio and why it benefits this workflow and how it could benefit us is you don't need a paid version to collaborate, Right. Bluebeam is enabling other people. Now, of course, yes, they're also exposing them to their software. But if you work with anyone who does not have a paid version of Bluebeam Review and you want to get them into a studio session, it is possible. Just have them download the free Bluebeam PDF viewer and literally invite them into the session. Once they get into the session, they can place markups. They can track all the markups. They can track all the activity. They see everything in the markups list. They're going to be able to see the report, things like that, and be involved in the process. And once they leave, it turns right back into a reader writer. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess if we're talking about the lowest cost of adoption, uh, the, it even gets cheaper, right? Because they don't technically need to purchase software if somebody yep. else is inviting them to that project because they're hosting uh, it and using essentially that license, that one person's license yep. is providing it. And the interface for the sessions is very simplistic and uh, – you know, you could probably get somebody up to speed and at least know where stuff is and how to actually communicate in like five minutes. You know, like, hey, look, exactly. if you want to type something, do this. If you want to do something, do this. 
and, get even and, better. Yeah, it gets even easier for the the uh, cost. It does. But if you are if you are paying for if you are paying for it and you're training on it, the ROI is is extremely um, uh, rewarding and uh, you know highly in favor of of adopting as well as um, uh, you know just furthering your knowledge and finding new uses of. I I hear new uses Definitely. of it all the time. And I'm sure you do going to those annual conferences. Oh, definitely, dude. If I could throw out a tip and trick just for utilizing like sessions or projects and trying to get everybody on one page, then when you talk about standardizing is literally go ahead and make a cover page and attach, do a file attachment of all of your profiles right to that like configuration cover page. And you can actually standardize it based off of discipline. You can standardize it based off of department, what have you. And whoever gets in would automatically go. They'd see that, double click on it, and then download that profile. Therefore, having all of the markups with any subjects, anything like that, all the trackable information that are saved to those markups would literally go ahead. That's what they're using. And then they go ahead and apply that to the page. That's a very good pro tip. Uh, so for those of you that are using ses- sessions, you've got your own... Um uh, you know, or projects and stuff in, in, in your studio rather. And you're, uh, you, you're, you know, hosting and you guys have your own, own internal, um, uh, you know, tools and standards. Share that profile, make it easy for everybody else to see what those definitions and symbology means. And, uh, I think that's, that's pretty remarkable. That's kind of like, uh, I mean, yep. that ties into BIM and a lot. I mean, so, uh, we developed a BIM execution plan, and you'll hear about this more in uh, future podcast, guys. As we talk about, about uh, BIM execution plans and BIM standards, um, you know, what, what does this mean? What equals what? We'll have layouts. We'll have all this stuff predefined, um, and you know, uh, this kind of bypasses that because you're able just to profile and say, "Hey, look, you'll know what this means just by double clicking this and, and downloading it." That's a that's a great way of sharing information. Well, well so now that we're talking about um, workflows and kind of more of the higher end workflows. I want to chat about a few of these ourselves, man. You mentioned something earlier about layouts. Um, let you run with that, man. So it's a very cool workflow when you look at what information comes from your design program and goes into Bluebeam review. So I kind of stumbled upon this and working in Revit, placing all of your, you know, points, wondering what comes over into a 3d PDF. If I, if I print this 3D PDF over, will it carry the actual point data that I established with it? Will my 2D PDF carry really? the point data that I... It does. Oh, man. Yes, it does. We are able... <laughs> Dude, right? Shock and awe. Shock and awe. <laughs> yes, it does, man. It really does. It's, it's a very cool workflow. We are able to go ahead and, and push out into our other layout programs. Um, and you could do scale to PDF, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, yeah, it's a very cool workflow. Yeah, man. I mean, it really yes. is. It, it, it's awesome. So the surveyor, you know, the guy that, you know, used to go out there and do all that boundary and stuff and, you know, somebody stamps it and it's not me, but somebody stamps it, you know, historically you don't want to lay out from a PDF. Uh, you know, I'm familiar with using, uh, 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 raster, you know, auto, AutoCAD raster tools, um, raster design rather. And, um, uh, you know, using rastered PDFs and all that stuff. And they're not rely 
reliable. I, you know, I can't scale. It depends on line thickness. Like there's all these issues, but with vectorized uh, PDFs, it seems so much, you know, more remarkable and easy to use because, you know, when you zoom, you scroll, that line stays the same. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, I don't know, man. I, I, I think maybe, you know, I'd like to give it a shot and, you know, play with some accuracies and see, I have a feeling that it's going to be as accurate as a CAD drawing. Uh, but, uh, I'm always a little on that cautious side. Well, I'm a little more curious to start really getting into the 3d PDFs after you, we take that point data out into the data collector, because I do see, of course, some, some, some layouts like the M360 layout can use a 3d PDF. And as long as I calibrate off those control points and my distances are correct, I should be good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Most, most days. The collectors will use it, and yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying. No, 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 no. We're, we're curious because I've about done the it. accuracy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Freaking a dot is yes. a dot, right? And robots turn angles. They'll measure the distance between those dots and the angles between those dots, and therefore we'll know where we're at. And I get that, but uh, um, it all depends on. I guess. I guess my whole thing is there's a little more um, cause for human error, right? Because we're not mm-hmm. set up on coordinates. We don't know all this stuff. We have to scale this PDF uh, in order to do it. This whereas if true. we're using unless well, unless you're using some, and I'm going to take this spin it for a second, but unless you're using something like Fim 360 layout, and if you have it on like an Android device that is GPS enabled, when you actually place the points into that model, it is. Have you GPS? Yeah, yeah. Have you used PDFs for layout on that? I mean, I'd be curious. I to haven't. See. I, so. So I'm actually not, I have not, no, I haven't. Okay. So I, 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 I was I'm just, I'm <laughs> the, the way that, uh, and this is going off on a tangent, guys, but uh, if you're familiar with uh, BIM 360, the way the BIM 360 works, next-gen layout, remarkable, is each one of those points is not necessarily a point. I mean, it is a geographical point. It knows that. But the way BIM 360 recognizes it is they are actually issues, uh, and that's the way the system is is doing it. So what I'm saying is I don't I don't know if you can bring in a PDF uh, and actually have it pick up all those points because uh, it's probably looking for a specific file format, all that sort of stuff. Okay. That said, right. I don't so know. That's something I'm not, to I'm not, test. It's not possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say it's I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it's not possible. I'm just saying, hey, let's put that on a list of things to uh, uh, check out, and maybe we'll talk about it on another podcast when we talk about layout. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That sounds right. good. So uh, next on this list, we were talking about. Uh, you said BIM 360 earlier, and for those of you guys that don't know what BIM 360 is we talk about ease of adoption of bim tools bim 360 it's up there uh it's going to be on another podcast don't worry um it you know it's gaining a lot of traction uh it's more prevalent in the design side but it's slowly making its way to the field side they have remarkable field tools but the reason why that this is uh, important for us to bring up is uh we talk about bluebeam as a uh you know as a platform right as studio as a platform that you can invite people to but how do you invite people that are using other platforms right i mean you've got to have you know standards and everything but so do other companies they have standards for their own projects so uh if it's not clear the way that you're communicating and adopting uh technology for your specific project across all project stakeholders um you know you're going to end up in a situation when there's a hybridized approach and we've run into this before as professionals um so what what we've found is a great tool for for bypassing this is well some people are on bluebeam some people are on bim 360 well, fear not, um, there was an integration that was created if you're using Bluebeam Studio Prime and you're using BIM 
60, this is a pro tip for you guys. You can actually connect your um, uh, BIM360 and Bluebeam accounts so that uh, you can spin up and create sessions directly from Bluebeam or from BIM360 rather. It opens in Bluebeam. You can invite as many people as you want, and it saves all that information back as a flattened PDF inside of BIM360. That's a pretty remarkable yep. functionality so, uh, for people that are are on this hybrid system because you know they're in disparate um, uh, uh, platforms rather. Dude, if you take that and you spin it back to when we uh, said earlier that you do not need a paid license to comment on a session. So really, one person has to have that Studio Prime and, and paid version of Bluebeam Review. And if they use that integration, they should be able to send anyone else involved in the project, no matter if they have Bluebeam Review or not, that invitation. If they get that free viewer, they don't need a paid license. They can just jump into the session and comment. And then send it back into BIM 360. And it'll save their markups and everything. Yeah, that's, again, that's another remarkable tool. So um, you mandate a, a standard on a project. Somebody says, no, 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 I don't have that. I'm not paying for that. I'm going to use a, a, here's a, a Bluebeam Here's a link to download the free viewer. Yeah, you send them a link to download the free viewer. And uh, you spin up your Bluebeam session from BIM 360 directly. They're invited and they collaborate on your project it saves that information back directly to bin 360 therefore you're keeping your standards for your project all in check it's just a, another great pro tip um from david campbell um, Boom. I, I got another one that we were chatting about earlier uh we were talking about uh power bi um and i love power bi i use it for a lot of things uh i'm a geek i play with it and i don't use it for anything productive but <laughs> i still love it because I'm a data guy. I like visualizing the data. I like being able to communicate that data to other people. And, and Power BI provides a remarkable way of doing that. So if you aren't familiar with Power BI, it's a Microsoft application. Uh, allows us to push data to the cloud, essentially. Um, say, for example, I've got a really complicated Excel chart uh, or Excel, Excel file, but um, there's a lot of information in the Excel file, but I want to communicate to certain people. So much like we can do with Bluebeam and create dashboards to um, present uh, graphs and information. We can do the same thing with Power BI, um, but there's a little more, you know, com complexities to it because it's a it's a, a math program, if you you know, for simplistic term, right? Um, it's a it's a it's a calculator, right? So I can take Excel data, rather, I can push up these complex charts and and uh, aggregate and organize data and share it with you know specific stakeholders and format, uh, and I can send them. So that they can actually just view these, you know, in an HTML uh, browser, or they can, you know, we can push it, push it to uh, BIM 360, um, uh, uh, you know, dashboards, all that sort of stuff, Bluebeam. But there's also some other great stuff we can do. So, um, David, you mentioned earlier, um, we, were, we were talking earlier about uh, Bluebeam and connecting to Excel. Um, yep. And uh, well, so if, if I wanted to do my counts and break apart this model in a certain way that somebody had sent me and I wanted to yep. you know, do my estimation and stuff, but, uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give that raw data to somebody. So, you know, my, my, you know, my boss doesn't care, right? He yep. just wants to know more simplistic view of this data. What I can do is, you know, link that to Excel and then we can use that Excel file to publish to power BI. So, again, send them a link and they get, you know, all the counts, quantities, you know, costing all that information that we've, you know, aggregated yep. up all that stuff, all the formulas we put in. They get it in a dashboard format, uh, and they're able to slice and dice as they see fit. So, yeah. uh, again, remarkable tools, Power BI. Dude, it's it's even cooler when you think about if you're exporting or if you're printing from um, 
Bluebeam review if you're going to do a CSV summary, and that'll take you right into Excel. If you actually go through and quantity link that, right? So you quantity link that Excel spreadsheet back to your Bluebeam markups list as your your drawings are updating, as you're going through doing your takeoff process, that Excel spreadsheet is updating in real time. If you can link that into Power BI, that should create a kind of living dashboard to follow for in terms of where you are with your project, um, let's say schedule or um, cost at that point, your budget. If you want to go into tracking every job, if you have different phases on your job, you could literally create different statuses, things like that, track whether the job progress has been done, who it was done by, things like that, exporting that out and push, even just exporting that out into Excel and pushing it into Power CS or Power BI, I'm sorry, is uh, going to allow us to track the actual progress of our schedule. There's so many different ways that we can utilize that and, and, and then being able to share that data. It's, it's awesome. It's a very yeah. awesome work. That's like a viewer for poll planning, essentially. That's that's pretty great. I like that. Like being able to schedule from it and tell people where you're mm-hmm. at in the project. Um, I, I think that's a remarkable, again, a remarkable tool. Um, so kind of to recap, man, I, I mean, I had a lot of fun on this podcast. I think that we were able to deliver uh, a fair bit of information in a very short amount of time. And I think that yeah. we're going to get better at this format as we go. Um, kudos, man. You did a great job, uh, you know, knowledge bombs. But uh, if I just wanted to recap the high parts, right, uh, a tool, you know, not necessarily from our industry, but, uh, you know, tailored <coughs> to and designed for um, used by everybody in this industry. Uh, the cost of adoption. This is, you know, I got to drive this home. This is the lowest cost of adoption. There isn't another, you know, BIM application that's going to, you know, be this, this, uh, uh, affordable and and easy easy to use and all that sort of stuff to adopt like this is the um uh it the low hanging this is if you're gonna say if we're gonna knock this out and say hey look you know I, I look for tasks and I like to um look for easy wins the easiest win you can get is to hit that low hanging fruit the low hanging fruit is if you have to visualize BIM data or design data from somebody. And you want to use it to implement BIM, uh, BIM workflows or processes, um, but you, you know, you don't want to have to learn design software that you're not going to be editing in. This is the tool that you need to use. This is the low-hanging fruit. This is the lowest common denominator of BIM software. Uh, uh, recap here, you know, they got the benefits. The, you know, uh, so lowest cost adoption. Benefits are collaboration, standardization, easy communication tools. Especially for those that haven't implemented it yet, that are on the fence of implementing it or haven't even heard of it yet, it's a great, easy way for you to get others involved uh, um, into your project without actually having them pay for a license. Just by sending them a link to your session, uh, and then they'll be able to communicate and collaborate. And then, again, I promise you, that person's going to end up adopting it because that's just the way this stuff works. It spreads like wildfire when people you know, see real use cases. Um, functions and workflows. Uh, David dropped some powerful um, uh, uh, pro tips on you. Uh, Advanced Power BI, BIM 360 integrations, and uh, layout. Again, probably stuff we're going to cover on other podcasts. I know there things that we've done on LinkedIn, little videos we've shared. Uh, and, and in due time, I promise you guys, we are going to uh, get it set up with cameras and be able to show some videos and a bunch of stuff. Uh, it's just uh, for the time being, uh, it is what it is. Uh, David and I, uh, we both have uh, uh, guests over our house, so we're, each one of us are – 
simultaneously working from our own garages right next to our own chop saws. Nothing gets more uh, uh, manly than drinking beer next to your chop saw. I'm just going to say that. And 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 I am right in front of my uh, axe throwing target, so I'm uh, I'm feeling extra extra uh, grizzly right now, man. Um, I had fun with this podcast, man. Uh, how do you feel? I did too. I did too. Uh, I had a lot of fun with uh, it. I always enjoy being able to share information, and I really enjoy talking about Bluebeam. I think that they're a great company. I think they make a great product. <coughs> Excuse me. And it really enables the um, BIM workflows. I, I think it does. And it's a great it's a great tool at a very great price point. Agree with you, man. All right. So to all our listeners, if you got feedback, bring it to us. We want to hear it. Um, yeah, subscribe to our podcast on the many platforms that they're on. Go to our website, check it out. We'll be sharing this uh, in more collaborative uh, ways, useful ways for you guys to click on the links and interact with us. I uh, look forward to that. Um, so until next time, drink more beer, practice more BIM. Bottom line.